0: Are you in 2 Timothy chapter 3? We're going to talk about a new kind of Christian today. And I believe we, uh, hopefully all of us will begin to, uh, in fact, I believe on some level, all of us will be impacted by today's message. Uh, this is just kind of a launching pad for me this morning to kind of define where we are and what's going on in the world. Paul the Apostle said this, and we've read this, uh, in the series. We finished up the series. Uh, uh, doomsday preppers, preparing your life and family for the end of days. And I appreciate Jim finishing so strong last Wednesday, or pardon me, last Sunday. If you're not here, you can go to our website and you can actually see that uh, video uh, from last Sunday. It's online. But here's what Paul said, but know this, that in the last days, everybody say last day, we're living in the last days, perilous times will come. Everybody say perilous times. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal. How many of you have seen some of the brutality of our, of the, the world we live in today? Despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, Turn away. For out of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, also learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janice and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word, and we pray today that as we look to you and look to the passages of Scripture today and the thoughts that you've laid on my heart, it will challenge us to walk in a new level of likeness to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You know, I'm 59. I just turned 59 last week. I think it was last week sometime. Uh, and people say, how does it feel? Not much different than 58. Uh, I can't wait till I get to 60 because uh, somebody told me that's the new 30, so I'm excited about that. Uh, uh, I can't wait for that anointing to hit me. (laughs) My wife better watch out. Uh, We'll see. Amen. Uh, But you know, in my short life, I've seen a lot of major shifts in in our world, especially in the church. Uh, Some good, some not so good. Uh, for example, the early 70s. How many of you got a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost in the early 70s? Am I the only one? You just, in the early 70s, the, something what many call the charismatic renewal began to sweep not only across America, but around the world. It was a bona fide historical move of God where thousands and even millions of people uh, found themselves being filled with the Holy Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost. Uh, and, uh, what a, what a phenomenal shift in, 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 in global spiritual awakening. I just read recently that the Southern Baptists who gave us all such a hard time have just recently lifted the ban on speaking in tongues with their missionaries and other leaders in foreign lands. And I thought, well, somebody say amen. I'll never forget when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit. Me and a friend of mine by the name of Gary Coffey, we walked into his house and his grandmother was there, and she looked at me with one eyebrow way up and one squinted real tight. She said, "You don't speak in them their tongues, do you?" I said, "Yes, ma'am." And uh, and it was a it was a pressure, but thank God for that shift. Here's another one that I've seen over, and just in my lifetime, I'll call it this, a shift from local church ministry to glocal church ministry. Everybody say glocal. That's not really a word, but you put local and global together, you could come up with, with glocal. It's great to see pardon me, even our church, you know, uh, be able to reach around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, you know, just simple things that we do and we're gonna, well, in fact, let me just say, hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be live streaming. Everybody say live streaming. That way everybody on planet earth can can hear whether I'm stupid or smart at any given Sunday. You know, I've got a friend of mine said, why would I live stream? That much stupid can't go out to uncontrollable. Uh, yeah, that, I, You know, he just doesn't want to do it. I'm just gullible, I guess. But the influence around the world, you know, to be able to influence even our even our website, people can get on there from anywhere on planet Earth, and we can make a difference. And as well as we we interact and help and serve and support missionaries around the world, and that's thrilling because that's certainly great commission uh, kind of mindset. Here's another shift that's happened in my lifetime. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, it's neither. Uh, it's good. I guess it could be bad mega churches. Uh, man, there used to not be a such thing as a mega church. Uh, but, uh, they're just everywhere now in big cities, just thousands, thousands of people. In fact, my wife's getting her church on this weekend. She went to a gateway church last night and heard Jimmy Evans speak. She said, he scared her. Uh, I said, why did he scare you? He said, he was talking about the last days. I said, Beverly, I've been talking about the last days for 10 weeks, and I didn't scare you. Maybe I should have been tougher. This morning she went to, uh, what's Momo's what's, what's church's name? I can't remember. She went to Momo's early service. Momo's one of the heroes there. Everybody loves her. Uh, and so she went to the early service, and then she's going to the middle service, I guess, at Nathan's church, Covenant Church. Uh, she's getting her church on this morning. She'll either come back high-minded or holy, I don't know, but uh she's getting her church on and she two out of the three churches she gone are mega churches, just big churches and, and you know one of the negatives I think uh, possibly could be is you know, anybody, you ever heard the, uh, the the critique of Walmart coming into town and shutting down all the mom and pop stores? I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, I really don't. Uh, but it, it creates a, a different dynamic. And it's just one of the shifts that's going on in our culture today as far as the church. But sadly, there's some really negative shifts that I have seen over the years. Uh, and here's the biggie. It's this, a shift from a great commission motivation to a great consumption motivation. Now, if you haven't seen this, you've had your head in the sand. It's a, instead of being concerned about the world, we become more concerned about ourselves and and the church, and I'll say the Chris, Christian mindset is a consumer mentality. It's a consumer mindset. and And my goodness gracious, that's, that's what really concerns me, and that's the reason I read to you second Timothy chapter three, because man the the emphasis of the last days the the Antichrist spirit, if you will, is a selfish mindset it's lovers of themselves, lovers of other things, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and so that that uh, that culture, if you will, that uh influence has slipped into the church and it's and it's yeah, affected and infected uh, uh, many, many areas of society. Let me just kind of uh, uh, illustrate that to you. Here's here's one that uh, Pastor Ron, this is his saying, the church uh, in many cases has become a cruise ship for for the saints rather than a fishing vessel for sinners. How many of you know the church is supposed to be a fishing vessel for sinners and not a cruise ship for the saints? Anybody ever been on a cruise? man, if you haven't been on a cruise, save your nickels and pennies and dimes and quarters and $100 bills and a lot of things, because man, there's nothing like all inclusive. It's all about you on a cruise. Uh, But that's, hey, how many of you know that's not the church? The church is supposed to be a fishing vessel for the sinners and not a cruise ship for the saints, Here's another shift that goes along with that about the church becoming more consumer minded than kingdom minded. It's, it's become the kingdom rather than the kingdom of he. It's been, sh- it's shifted to the kingdom of me. It's all about me. I love uh, what uh, the first line of the purpose driven life is. It says this. It's not about you. Everybody say it's not about me. But we've seen a shift that uh, you know. Hey, self, you want to? If, you, if you're any good at all, you write a self-help book. It'll liable to fly off the shelves because people are trying to figure out how to make me a better me. Uh, and and it's all about me. It's not about me. Here's one. We've shifted from from uh, uh, being a blessing to being blessed. Everybody's looking for their blessing. How many of you know God's a god of blessing? Only one. How many of you know God's a god of blessing? But listen, our mindset can't be all about receiving the blessing; it's about being a blessing. Could I get a better amen? And that's a sad—that's uh, 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 a sad indictment. And when I say the church, I'm not scolding you. I'm talking about God's people uh, uh, and, and the culture of our church and our communities and and our world. And so, so don't think I'm scolding our church. I'm talking about by and large. Everybody say by and large. And, and, if the shoe fits for you today, you can wear it. But I'm not pointing out. I'm not, I'm not burping up here. I'm not being personal. I'm bringing about, uh, uh to you understanding of where our culture is. Uh, here's another one. People are now shopping for churches like they're shopping for a good restaurant. They're shoppers and hoppers. <laughs> Everybody shoppers and hoppers. Man, who, who's got, uh, you know, and man, if you blow it once, they're got, just like me. If I go to a restaurant, it's hard for, and I get bad service or something wrong. It's hard for me to go back. Listen, understand something about the church. Not everything's going to all be like, it, it's not all going to taste just like you like it. How I many of you know as parents, some of the things our kids have to eat doesn't taste as good <coughs> as they would like. We've got a culture of shoppers and hoppers. Uh, and here's one, here's another way of saying it. People are looking more for a place with great service than for a great place to serve. Look at, "How can you serve me?" rather than, "How can I serve?" Listen, this is a great place to serve. Find a church. Find a great place to serve. And so, with that in mind this morning, and with the, with the insight about our culture and how it's infected our, the churches and the church mindset in, in at least in America, you know, not near as much in other countries. You go to third world countries, man, they don't, it, they, they're at a place in life where they're just glad to be born again. And, and glad to, to, to know they're going to heaven because the world they live in is not very blessed. And so so we have to battle that. And with that in mind, let me just say God's looking for a new kind of Christian. Let me say it this way. God's looking for a Christian, and I'm going to use a little bit of a, a word play here so you hang on with, with me. God's looking for Christians who are broke, busted, and disgusted. Everybody say broke. Now preacher now, you had vacation and all, but you came back with a little. God's looking for for believers, church folk, who are broke, busted, and disgusted. Everybody say, okay, break it down, pastor. Here we go. Let's look at broke. You say, pastor, I'm not claiming broke. Well, you need to understand I'm not speaking about financial ruin. Everybody go, Whoo, thank you, Jesus. I said, everybody go, woo, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> well, let me just say, ha- however... As a side note, as a caveat, if your finances get in what, get in the way, if your resources get in the way of God's purpose and destiny uh, and 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 reason for your being and the intent of your lives, if 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 you you know, Jesus said you can't worship God and money. And if our money gets in the way of God's intent for our life, guess what? God has the capacity to remove some things so we can return to Him. Are you with me? I'll never forget a story I heard of a guy who prayed, and I'll tell it quick because I'm just chasing a little bit of a rabbit. He's asked his pastor to pray for his finances. The pastor said, well, are you a tither? He said, no, I can't afford to. He said, no, you got it wrong. You can't afford not to. And he taught him how to tithe and he began to tithe. And his tithe went from $2 to 20 to 200 and 2000 And he became very wealthy in a matter of about two years. And this man's financier came to him and says, you're giving too much money away. We need to adjust yeah, the outgo. If we don't adjust the outgo of your life, you're going to be in trouble. So he went back to his his pastor and said, I've got problem. I mean, God's blessed me. And you told me to tithe, but I'm going to have to cut. I need you to pray for me because I'm going to have to cut back on my giving because of this, that, and the other. <coughs> and the pastor said, okay, I'll pray for you. Let's bow. And he said, dear Lord, you know my friend here, how you blessed him when he learned to tithe. And, and, and he's blessed. I pray, Lord, you just take everything away from him so he can learn how to tie. And the guy stopped him in mid prayer and said, Stop, Pastor, I got you. I got you. I'm not cutting back. I'm not talking about financial ruin here today, but I am talking about a brokenness that needs to come to the church. It's a, it's a mindset. In fact, you know, in fact, it's not, I'm not talking about the condition. Of our pocketbook. I'm talking about the condition of our person. It has to do with the condition of our person rather than the condition of our purse or our pocketbook. And today I think of David. David was a broken man at times in his life. And in Psalm 51 verse 19, pardon me, verse 17, he said the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Now, how did he come to that in life? He was a broken man. David had made a terrible mistake. And, in, and, and, and what had happened, the reason he wrote Psalm 51, how God inspired him, he made a terrible mistake. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. She got pregnant. And even uh, before that, he conspired to have her husband killed. So David became an adulterer and a murderer. And when he repented of his wrong actions, he wrote Psalm 51. It was his response to God after he had come to the place where he realized his terrible, tragic mistake. And he said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. We need a new kind of Christian today. One that is broken because of their wrong choices. One who is broken and has a broken and a contrite heart. Let me let me give you a, a kind of, I'll call it a biblical rule of thumb. Here it is about being broken. Here, here we go. A, a, a rule of thumb, a biblical rule of thumb concerning brokenness is this. God normally has to break some things in the process of blessing them. Let's read it out loud together. Everybody out loud. God normally has to break some things in the process of blessing them. How many of you know he does want to bless you? But if you're not broken, he can't bless you. (laughs) Are you with me? In fact, remember, this is just an illustration. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, they gave him five loaves and two fishes. And what did he do? He took the loaves, and he blessed them, but before, <coughs> pardon me, before he could dispense them, he broke them. Breaking is a process of blessing. Everybody say that. Breaking is a process in the blessing. And so we need to understand that, that God normally has to break some things uh, in our lives as he's in the process of blessing us. I think of Peter. Peter was a great man, but he had issues in his life. And he had to be broken before God could use him and bless him. He denied the Lord. And he was a broken man. And he went out and he wept bitterly. God had to break him before He could bless him and use him. In fact, if you know anything about shepherds, and and let me just say, I'm not a shepherd uh, from the standpoint of sheep, but I understand this principle. In Jesus' day, when there were shepherds in the fields and there was a wandering sheep that just kept wandering, sometimes the shepherd resorted to uh, rather radical techniques to ensure that the sheep would learn not to wander. In fact, the shepherd sometimes would take the sheep and actually break his leg. And then he would mend the leg and then he would have to carry the sheep around and hold the sheep and tend to the sheep and spend special time with the sheep. And so sometimes God has to break us so he can bless us. Everybody go, amen. Now, we need to understand that and realize that in our life, that, that, that there are times that that happens. And let me just make a suggestion to you today. This morning, I believe there may be some things in our life that need to be broken. Attitudes, mindsets, beliefs, things in our life. Matthew 21, 44, it's a, it's a parable. It, it, it talks about uh, rebellious people and, and the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and you can read it later, but this Matthew 21, verse 44, says something along these lines. Whoever falls on the stone will be broken, but whoever the stone falls on will be crushed. Now, let me just suggest to you today, it's in our best benefit... To fall upon the rock, Christ Jesus, and be broken. Rather than Jesus have to come and fall on us and crush us. So with that in mind, uh, we need to embrace this thought about being a new kind of Christian and being broken. and, And just realize, ooh, I need God to break me. And if I wander, if I'm always looking another direction, if there's issues in my life that need to be t- dealt with, Lord, I yield myself to the breaking of God today because I know a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. We need a new kind of Christian in the world today, especially in the face of this consumer mindset where we are Christians are broken before God yielded to the governance and the guidance of god in their lives yielded to the places of our life that need to be broken you know uh uh there's a book and i haven't read it it's a it's for men i think it is a wild horse wild horses can't be broken i'm not sure if that's a book but uh, the theme there and and it's the it's uh, to men about breaking us but not breaking us how many of you know when you break a horse he's not he's broken but he's not broken You understand what I mean? He's yielded to the bridle of God in his life. And that's what I'm talking about today. We need a new kind of Christian who's broken, who's broken. Number two, who's busted. Everybody say busted. Now, that, this, this comes from the thought of what happened to David. Now, if you remember David, he, he wrote Psalms 51. He committed adultery. He committed murder. And wh- the story behind that, uh, when he did that, he thought he had gotten away with it. How many of you know you never get away with those things? Because one day we'll all stand before God in the first place. But let me just say, he thought he had gotten away with it. And God moved upon Nathan the prophet. And Nathan came to him. You can look at this uh, in Second Samuel 11 and 12. Uh, David had committed these sins and, and he thought he had gotten away with it. But Nathan the prophet comes to him, I think in chapter 12, and tells him a story about a man who steals sheep. And and you can read it later. And and, And he told him this story, and it made David mad. He said, this guy stole this poor guy's sheep. And he killed it, and he ate it. And David said, that man deserves to die. Oops. And then the prophet said, oh, by the way, David... You were that man. And he was busted. Everybody say busted. He was busted by the prophetic anointing of God on Nathan's life. (laughs) I mean, you know, when you're a a born-again believer, when you love Jesus, God loves you too much to let you get away with anything. And we need a new kind of Christian who's broken and busted. Who realizes, man... My sin is out before all. I've been busted. I've been caught red-handed. In fact, the prophet said to uh, uh, Nathan, "The prophet said you did this secretly," and he and he, he spoke judgment over him because of his action. How many of you know there is always a consequence to our wrong choices? I said, "How many of you know there is always a consequence?" The wages of sin is what. There is always a consequence. Uh, and and so he spoke a prophetic judgment over him. And, and uh Nathan the prophet said, You did this secretly. You thought you were getting away with something, but guess what? This judgment will be open. People will see the consequences of your wrong choices. You've been busted. Now, you know what David did? He responded rightly. He began to repent. He began to cry out to God, and God forgave him, but he still suffered the consequences of his wrong choices. Let me give you a couple more uh, uh, rules of thumb here concerning being busted, two biblical rules of thumb. Here's the first one is this. The things we do secretly will be rewarded, whether good or bad. And let me say, they'll be rewarded openly. What did Matthew six say concerning the things we do? Wait on that one. You threw you, you hit me too quick on that one. Uh, Matthew Matthew uh, six when when he talks about people praying and we go to our Father and we pray in secret. What does it say? God will do what? He'll reward us openly. It's a principle from Scripture that that uh, the things we do secretly, whether good or bad, will be rewarded openly. In fact, Ecclesiastes twelve. Let me see if I can find it. I think my marker's here. Ecclesiastes 12 says this, verse 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Did you catch that? The things we do secretly will be rewarded openly, whether good or bad. In fact, Jeremiah 23, 24 says this, Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, God says? And so David thought he was getting away with something, but he was busted. Let me tell you something, we're all, we'll all be busted. Let me just throw this out in the middle of this. How many of you have ever been busted by God? Man, all of us at some point, we realize We're sinners. Man, when the conviction of God came upon you to be because of your sin nature and you said yes to Jesus, you were busted by the conviction of Almighty God. He shined His light upon you and you realized who you were and you became born again. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. we got to be busted. It's better. Here's number two, the second, what I'll call biblical rule of thumb. It's better to humble ourselves than to be humiliated. Wow. Now, God's not out just to humiliate you, but understand that, number one. And let me just say, if we will come to him and not, not have to have the prophet show up in our behalf to bust us, if we, will, if we will self-expose ourselves to God in private, I believe God will have a tendency to deal with us in a private manner. But if we're, if we don't yield to the governance of God in our life and God has to bust us, there's no, there's no confidence that that being busted by God is going to stay private. And we will be humiliated. Now, God's not out to humiliate anybody, but listen, He will humble us. And it will be humiliating if it's, if it's public. It's better to humble ourselves rather than to be humiliated in this life. Peter was humiliated by his wrong choices, by denying the Lord. And he went out, the Bible says, he went out and wept bitterly. He was humiliated. And he wrote in First Peter chapter 5, he says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Everybody say, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And I love the next part. Anybody know it? That he may exalt you in due time. You see, it's never God. We're talking about walking into the blessings of God. We're talking about being blessed. If you will humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and say, oh, man, I am the man. Hey, David did that. He He wrote it in Psalm 51. He wrote it for all of us to see. For goodness sake, we're talking about him today. He laid himself out before God. We humble ourselves. We'll be exalted at cer- certain times in our life. We've got to come to a place where, in fact, I talked. Uh, 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 I've said this a lot. I want to say it carefully here today. But listen, when we have issues in our life, let me tell you something. We got to come to a place where we admit it. How many of you know? If you don't admit your 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 flaw, you'll never be able to deal with your flaws. If you don't admit your your issues then you'll if you don't come clean before God and just say this is this is who I am you'll never be able to walk through this issue and once you can admit it once you once you come to the place where you where you expose this before God even though he knows and sees all but you just lay it out before him that's when you can begin to find de- deliverance and victory over it In fact, what did James say? He said, confess your faults one to another. Get it out in the open. There, there's a rule. Let me tell you something. There's a rule. There's a, there's a, there's a guideline. There's an accountability principle in life. That is, if you just get somebody to be accountable to the, the, the authority of whatever issue you're dealing with seems to lose its capacity over your life. You begin to realize, man, this is not hidden. Others know. And so you admit it, and then it'll give you the power to begin to quit it. Everybody say, quit it. Everybody say, admit it. Quit it. You know what David did? He repented. He repented before God. He turned to God, and he said, wow. In fact, he wrote Psalm 51, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Created me a clean heart, oh God. That, that's, the, everybody say create. Genesis 1-1 in the beginning, what did God do? Created. That word means made something from nothing. David came before God. He said, create, make something from nothing. Created me a clean heart. He knew there was nothing he could do about his heart. Created me a clean heart, oh God. And renew a steadfast and a right spirit within me. I need you in my life to to help me in this issue. we got to admit it. And then that gives us the power to quit it, to be able to say no more in my life. In fact, you know what repent means? It means to turn around and go the other direction. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm turning around. I'm going the right way. I'm not going to go the wrong. You can't keep going the wrong way and not get right. Are you with me? Isn't it amazing so many people keep going the wrong way and think they're going to get right? Somewhere down the road, you keep going wrong, you'll never get right. It's better to humble ourselves than to be humiliated and just come before God and say, Lord, this is where I am. This is what my problem is. And you can begin to walk through the process and begin to go in the wrong direction. And then you know what? This is the grace and the mercy of God. You can come to point three of this thought. You can forget it. Everybody say, admit it. Quit it. And forget it. One of the biggest issues with getting over something is being able to forget it. He said, Well, I can't really forget it. Well, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. It's all in the in pursuit of new things. If you're standing around the basement digging holes, you'll never get out. But if you said, I'm, t- I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, I'm going to admit everybody say admit it. Quit it and forget it. Everybody say, broke, busted. And number three is what? Disgusted. We need a new kind of Christian today. Who's broke, busted and disgusted. Now, that don't sound like very good charismatic preaching, but understand, David was disgusted with himself. The prophet comes into his life. You're the man. He was busted and let me tell you something, when you get busted, it's pretty hard not to be disgusted. You look at yourself and go, whoo, you disgust me. You ever looked yourself in the mirror and said, you disgusting thing, you? That can be good and bad. Don't take that out of balance. But listen, when 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 we are under the governance of God and we have made terrible choices, we ought to be disgusted with the choices we've made. He wrote his public confession out. I mentioned Peter. He denied the Lord in the Lord's most needy moment. And you read the Greek. He went out and he wept bitterly. I'm telling you, he was so disgusted with himself. He groaned and wept. When's the last time we were so disgusted with our sinful choices and the bad things we've done that we went out we wept bitterly because of how we broke god's heart we messed up things. many people look at first john 1 9 we confess our sin he says just forgive us of our sin cleanse them all unrighteous amen i confess it i'm on my way listen i'm gonna tell you something we break the heart of god every time i believe in grace i believe in mercy but we've got to come to a place we need a new kind of christian who's broken before God and yields himself to God. Say, I'm busted. This is who I am. You see me for all I am and what I am not. And I am officially disgusted with my choices. That word disgusted is pretty disgusting. You say, Pastor, you can't confess that over your life. Well, understand something, to ask Peter that, he was disgusted with himself, so much so he turned around and went back to his own way of life, the resurrected Christ walks back into his life and raises him up, puts him back in the ministry. He was repentant, but he was a broken man, he was a busted man. He was disgusted with himself. And that's not a bad place to be, my friend. Because once you get to that place, let me, let me just, hey, understand something. We need to learn to hate that which has separated us from God. The, the Bible says in Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Not hate evil people, but to hate evil. Here's one for you. Romans 12, 9. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. That word abhor means to detest utterly, to dislike intensely. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. I'm not talking about abhorring yourself, but abhorring the sin. Listen, we need to love God, love one another, and we need to love ourselves. I get that. But we've got to come to a place where we don't let sin overwhelm us, but we become disgusted. And here's the biblical rule of thumb. You want to know it? Whatever we become intensely disgusted with, we normally, intensely will deal with. Think about that just for a moment. Have you ever been sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you been like Popeye? What did Popeye say? I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. Have you ever got to the place where you said, I'm just, I'm fed up? Well, yeah, I was other people, but not myself. We need to get fed up with ourselves. Because listen, if we yield to ourselves, we'll be like that 2 Peter chapter 3, oh, pardon me, that 2 Timothy bunch that were lovers of selves rather than lovers of God. We got to come to a place where we look at our life and say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I think of the prodigal son. You remember him? He made some bad choices, and he found himself. He he got all his inheritance, and he went out and squandered it, and spent it all, and found himself with the pigs. You ever been there? You go, OMG! What have I done? All I hear is oink oink and smell bad. And the Bible says, and this is a, this is a a story it's a parable he's teaching about how we need to recognize Jesus is and, and, and the Bible says he came to himself everybody say he came to himself he's there with the pigs and he came to himself and said, man the servants eat better than I at my daddy's house and he said I'm going to get up and go home but you know the next thing he said I'm going to get up and go home you know the next thing he did he got up and he went home His disgusted nature, he he got so disgusted with himself that he said, I'm going to do something to deal with this circumstance and this situation in my life. Whatever disgusts us, we normally will deal with it at some point. And hey, the cool part is, when the prodigal got home, what did he see? His father said, I've been waiting for you. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. I've been waiting for you. Put his robe on him, ring on his finger, robe around him. Kill the fatted calf, for that which was lost has come home. He had never gotten there. Had he not gotten disgusted, he had never came to. He had never came to himself. Unless he had gotten disgusted in his life. We need a new kind of Christian in town. One that's sick and tired of being sick and tired. One that's willing to be broken before God and, and, and busted by God in a, in a very good sense and, and disgusted with our wrong choices to the point that we come to ourselves and fall on the rock, unless the rock fall on us. I preach to myself today because all of us have areas in our life if the truth were known that we might try to keep secret. Listen, one of my big things with God is there's no secrets with God. He knows me. And the cool part is from my understanding He still loves me. This morning, I want to ask you, it's just a play on words. Don't, don't, don't take this out of context. Broke, busted, and disgusted. Peter was broke, busted, and disgusted, but it didn't keep him from getting full of the Holy Ghost and becoming the first Pentecostal preacher. Listen, God has to break things before he can bless them. Most people want to go by bypass that. Peter wanted to go bypass, he wanted to bypass that. He rebuked the Lord. It's interesting, we we talked about him uh, Wednesday night. You know, he got the question right. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then moments, and moments later, uh, you know, P, Jesus changed his name to Rock. And then just a few verses later, Jesus called him the devil. <laughs> he had issues. He had issues that needed to be broken in his life, just like me, just like you. It's 12 o'clock. I know you're ready to go, but let's just take a moment here. Let's stand together. Let's let the Holy Spirit come upon us for a moment. Let's allow Him to have His way in our life. You know, today's message may have busted you a little bit. That That's not me, that's the Holy Ghost. Today's message may have exposed some area in your life. I hope so. It does me. Some areas that need to be broken. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, there's nothing secret before God, and I'm not trying to get anybody to unnecessarily do anything. But if you're here today and there's some areas in your life that need to be broken, you realize that you need to fall on the rock.